This is the Creative Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lopez. Hope you enjoy this podcast. It's set up and designed for coaches, leaders, and influencers to share their stories and inspire others to share their stories as well. That we can all learn together as a community and get better every day. So thank you for listening to season two. Today's guest is Lewis Wilson. Coach Wilson is the head coach of the men's team at UT Tyler. We talked to him today about transformational coaching, people development, and when you know better, do better. Hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, being with you. Coach Wilson, I really do appreciate your time. I know I know you're a busy guy out there, UT Tyler. Uh, got a lot of stuff to do, especially during these times where it's like, who knows what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. But uh, I know you're preparing, and that's always the best thing. So, Coach, uh, how were you introduced to the game of basketball? Oh, man, uh, just a kid, man. Uh, grew up one of ten children in uh, wow. South Bronx, New York City. Uh, and we moved my mother, who was my absolute, I call her my shero in life, uh-huh. uh, single mother. Father passed away when I was four, and she had ten kids at 30 years old. And wow. my brother got stationed in the U.S. Uh, the Air Force and uh, moved to Anchorage, Alaska, Elmendorf Air Force Base. And my mother had to go check on him for some stuff. And I uh, got up there, and she decided that was well, after being there for a while, that it was time to move her kids out of the South Bronx. And though I played on the Hard tops out in the parks, and uh, you know, as a little guy, loving the game, watching the older guys play, uh, pick up ball out there. You know, I never played organized basketball until we got to Anchorage, Alaska, and uh, I'll never forget it. Uh, Ten years old, and had my first bike, and in the openness of, of Alaska, and a bike trail, and straight too far from the house, and came upon East Anchorage High School. I uh, didn't know that's what it was. I uh, just was uh, really taken with the artwork on the building. It was a big Thunderbird wow. uh, emblem, which is a Native symbol, uh, a very high-thought, high mythical symbol in the Native culture. And uh, I followed, went over to look at that symbol and heard balls bouncing inside this building. And I was looking around to find out what that was. And I walk in, and uh, there were about... Man, it had to be over 100 kids in this gym, and there was they all had on the same shirt, and they're all dribbling the ball and hooting and hollering. But I was more taken with the fact that uh, there was a huge table to my right, and it had all of the McDonald's you could imagine to eat. <laughs> right. And staring at this McDonald's, I'm thinking, man, I, I'd like to get that. And <laughs> uh, this big dude, big, huge man, walks over to me and says, hey, little man, that, that food is for these, these kids. And I said, what is this? And he says, the basketball camp. I said, well, and, you know, he started talking to me. He said, you want to go to the camp? I said, yeah. He said, yeah. He says, $85. And I said, and, you know, to me, you know, my mom's raising us. And 85 I could, and to that, he could have said a million dollars at that time. That's what I felt like. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I, I said, well, we don't, I don't have money. And so he said, yeah, well, leave that food alone because that's for the kids to eat lunch. Well, I got up at the same time the next day, and I said, I'm going back over to watch that again. That's amazing. I get over there, and I promise you, I walk the same spot. Those kids are out there again. 
and there's Burger King on that table. Whoa. And I, I'm staring at that food. I'm thinking, these kids are the luckiest kids I've ever seen. And that same guy walked over to me, and he said, little man, he said, you want to go to camp? I said, I don't have money, and da-da-da, and he asked me my name and whatnot. And he said, if, you come to, if I let you come to camp for free and let you eat lunch, are you going to behave yourself and do the right things? And I'm like, I'm, you couldn't imagine how my eyes lit up. And I, I was like, absolutely, yeah, man, I will. And so he said, you got to show up every day. We go for four more days. And so I was there every day. And I, I fell in love with the game. Yeah. I fell in love with fast food. And I <laughs> fell in love with uh, the man. Uh, his name is Chuck White. He's a legend. Uh, the greatest uh, high school coach in Alaska basketball history. He became my, from that day, 10 years old, uh, he became my father. I grew up and played for him at East Anchorage High School. He won 18 state championships in Alaska. He won 900-some basketball games. He's one of the uh, three or four high school coaches with any presence in the National Hall of Fame, National Basketball Hall of Fame. He had uh, 940-some wins and 210 losses, 18 state titles. Wow. Uh, just a dominant figure. When you get off the airplane in Anchorage, Alaska, and you go down the Hall of Fame, there's a Hall of Fame, Athletic Hall of Fame hallway. He's just he's, he's the first picture, and he, he developed pro players. But more importantly, he, he fed me, just like he said, but he fed me the game. He fed me life. Uh, I went on to work for him in the game. Uh, and, you know, he, you know, uh, was my father and my best friend. And unfortunately, he passed uh, this past November. And we had a 43-year nonstop conversation from the moment I walked in that gym uh, until the day Coach passed in November this past year. Uh, and he absolutely changed the trajectory of my life with the game of basketball. And just by being kind enough to, to give me the game for free and understanding that I couldn't afford to pay for it, but that he you know, would not uh, deny me the opportunity. And it, it just completely changed me. Wow, Coach, that is solid. That is solid, and, and uh, wow, that, that speaks volumes right there. You could write a book on that. That's so good. You know, it takes us, I don't know, takes sometimes other awareness. We talk about self-awareness a lot and trying to figure out who we are and what we can do best, but sometimes other awareness, like paying attention to other people and seeing needs that need to be met, and we could have that same impact as coaches, we could have that same impact as leaders. And if we're other aware, if we're looking at other people and saying, hey, hey, what do you, what do you need? What's going on with you? And engaging people in that sense, because to think that a young kid, a 10-year-old kid can partner up with somebody that isn't their biological father, that isn't related to them at all, that isn't even of the same ethnicity, to say, hey, let's partner up. How uh, you lead me, I'll follow. That's amazing. That is super. It is and, super and, amazing, and, and, and Mike. It is. It is uh, everything that I am. Uh, coach, help make me. Um, wow. And everything that I do in coaching. Uh, one of the things any player who's ever played under my direction, as a head coach or an assistant, will tell you. Uh, they'll say two things. Oh, he's a pain in the foot for sure. <laughs> But man, you gotta, he's gonna feed you. And they don't, sometimes they don't fully understand. I feed, I feed them and I feed them because in the family I grew up in, food means love. Yeah. 
And in the life that I've lived and through Coach White, that signified the, you know, uh, our love and the investment, the relationship. It showed that I care for you and paying it forward. That's something I always try to do with any kid that I'm with is like, you feed them knowledge, but you feed them food, you give them what they need, you nurture them. You, like you said, you recognize the need and the need is different in every kid, but you have to be present in every person's life that you touch. And if you're not present, you can't see those needs. And I think it's incumbent upon us as leaders, as coaches, as educators, uh, to be present. Coach White taught me that. And you're right to have a relation. This guy was a legend at that time. Yeah. Uh, but to 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 be a man, and he was a giant of a human being, very intimidating figure. A lot of people equated him and called him the Bobby Knight of Alaska basketball. It was really interesting. I was a Bobby Knight lover, and Coach really struggled with Bobby Knight really? uh, because Coach's whole deal was, uh, uh, you know, his big burly dude, he'd yell at us, top of his lungs, all that, never said a cuss word to us. In fact, we used to laugh because he made up so many creative words not to cuss <laughs> in our presence as kids. Yeah. And I'll I, I tell you something, this, to cap this story off, you know, Coach retired from high school coaching in 2010 because I was with him in 1992 as his assistant, and assumed to be the heir apparent to this great legacy, yeah. uh, which I was just honored to even be thought that way. Right. And I get a call from Bill Evans, who's the new head coach of Southern Utah university in Cedar city, Utah division one. He was the previously the assistant coach at Alaska Anchorage. And he remembered me and he gets this head job, but he has this, this, uh, uh, what's was called the restricted earnings coaching position. Now we call it director of basketball operations, Yeah, but it was called restricted earnings. And the NC2A ended up getting sued later years for having this position where they capped how much you can make. Yeah. Well, coach Evans offered me $5,000 a year to come be his restricted earnings coach. And I remember the day I was leaving East Anchorage and coach white coach said, well, someday you'll become a college coach. And when you do, don't forget me. Yeah. And I want to be your nice. assistant. And we laughed. Nice. Well, you, I go through this long career as an assistant coach at NC2A. And in 2010, I'm the associate head coach at Cal State Northridge. And uh, I get hired as the head men's basketball coach at Division II Adams State. And I'll never forget it. Coach White had just won his 18th state championship as a high school coach in Alaska. And I called him. I said, well, coach, I was just so proud. Just telling your dad, you're a head coach. Yeah. And I said, uh, I said, well, coach, I hope you're ready to move to Colorado. And he was already actually living in Colorado at this point and commuting to Alaska to coach. And I said, I hope you're ready to move to Colorado full time. He said, what are you talking about? Casper, as he called me, Casper, the friendly ghost. <laughs> and, uh, he said, what are you talking about? I said, I just got hired as the head men's basketball coach at Adams State in Alamosa, Colorado, about four hours from Denver. And we laughed. And I said, I hope you're ready to be a head coach. Wow. He retired from coaching two weeks later. And for three years, he was my assistant coach at Adams State University. Awesome. Lived in my house with me. Awesome. Uh, and it was like, it was amazing. But not only did he introduce me to the game, but he stood with me, gave up his career as a high school coach and stood with me, uh, uh, teacher to student. And uh, uh, in my first three years of college coaching to make sure that I, uh, that I got it done right, that I got a good start. So Yeah, Coach, so you, yeah. you ran down that timeline very, very well in the sense that, man, you answered a couple of my questions for me already about who influenced you to go into coaching. And I, 
And I think that's what, what, because uh, I always think about whatever we're doing, the why, why we do what we do, why we're coaching, why we're in this game, uh, young people influencing them. But I see how you were influenced to that degree that it's, it was a lifelong influence. It was a structural, even a foundational, I should say, influence uh, to, to take you to a place of manhood. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Hey, wow. It is just, just so amazing to, to know that. And then to kind of have him come back and be on your staff, that, that is so amazing. Like I said, it's, it's storybook type stuff, man. Really, really good. So, Coach, given your, you know, you kind of ran down some of the places you've been, uh, how did your previous experiences at those levels and at those institutions prepare you to be the head coach at UT Tyler? Uh, and every, you know, uh, every step of the way, uh, you learn something different, you know, um, I think what I learned, you know, I was in Cedar City, Utah, at Southern Utah for six years. I was in Pocatello, Idaho, at Idaho State for eight. Moved to the big city in uh, Northridge, which is, uh, um, you know, in San Fernando Valley, just north of Los Angeles. Was there for four years. Uh, and then Alamosa, Colorado for five. And Logan, Utah for three before going to Phoenix for one before coming to Tyler. And in all of those situations, there are different challenges uh, socially, uh, living in varying uh, uh, social situations, uh, learning how to deal with different people, uh, different cultures. Uh, they all informed me uh, to be able to be in the position I'm in, not to mention going all the way back, being in the South Bronx, New York City, and my mother moving us to Anchorage, Alaska. Talk about a culture shock. No joke. Uh, and, and, you know, and then going to college in Missouri, California, Missouri, finishing up in Missouri. I mean, so I've had the blessing, man, of living in a lot of this country and meeting a lot of its people and experiencing a lot of its cultures. And as a leader, as a coach, informs me and helps me to deal with a lot of different kids because that's what we're going to deal with. That we're in a kid business. We're in a young person's business. And, uh, you know, so it, it, is, it has really helped me to prepare in that way. And Texas is different than any place I've ever been or ever lived. I mm -hmm. joked with somebody the other day. I said, there's the eastern United States, there's the western United States, there's northwest, there's the northern United States, there's the Midwest, and then there's Texas. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which is so big, it, it, you know, it, 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 and, and so vast that it has a little of all of that element yeah. of the country. And so, uh, having had the experience of living in all those areas of the country and then coming to Texas, um, you know, has really helped me uh, to be able to relate to the culture and the different people. And and people are always first, right? We can say, okay, well, it prepared me as a coach. Listen, it's all about people. How do you interact with people? Because it's a, you're in a people develop, young people development business. In order to develop them, you have to know them, and in order to know someone, uh, you you know you have to gain their trust, and that's that comes through what Coach White gave me, just showing a tremendous care for who I am. And as I've gotten to do that and learned about people and how to communicate with people and find out, like I said, be present in their life, find out what makes them tick, so to speak. Uh, uh, all my experiences in big towns, small towns, rural towns, cities, uh, places people only dream about going like Alaska or the, you know, the projects in the South Bronx and New York City, all over the country. Then you come into a place like Texas that has a little bit of all of it. Uh, it's just, it's just helped me to inform me and educate me about the different uh, cultures. That's awesome, coach. 
here again, you're talking about making connections left and right and, and connecting on a human level, on a level that says, I, I, I may not know exactly what you're going through, or I may not be able to uh, say I feel what you feel, but then I may at times, and then I have empathy, and I understand, you know, because there's nothing worse than not being able to understand people and just getting frustrated with them. You don't understand maybe why some people do what they do, because that's what their culture does, like, within certain cultures and certain, like you talk about Texas, the Republic of Texas, man, is so big here that you feel like you're in, you're in a different country, just going from County to County sometimes. And well, it used to be a country. Yeah. Yeah. That was called the Republic. Man. We, uh, we, we have a lot of pride in that. And, uh, and it's just like one of those things coach where you're able to connect with young people on a level that is just human. It's not, uh, how do they say, it's not transactional. It's transformational because you, ex- and you, you, you experience what it. What you just said right there is, is, is like, Mike, is a key to the whole deal is there are people that are transactional and there are people that are successful being transactional. My desire in life is to be transformational. Yeah. Uh, Coach White was transformational in my life. As you said, it was foundational. It was about taking a young boy and who was fatherless and helping him to realize, you know, what, what, you know, manhood, what it was going to be about. Uh, and, and I, for me, I would rather do something different. If the relationship cannot be transformational, uh, I'd rather not be involved in it because the, the, and coach White's one of many people. I mean, on my journey that I've been blessed to have helped me. I mean, Bill Evans, as I said, called me, he gets his first head coaching job at Southern Utah university and he just remembered meeting this snot-nosed young assistant at the best high school in Anchorage, Alaska, and he realized that I was probably arrogant enough to think that I was good enough to come and be a college coach, and I'd take $5,000 to do it. Uh, but he invested in me when he didn't have to do that. He had no reason really to do that. But he transformed my life as a, as a college coach yeah. to give me that platform, that opportunity. And uh, that, I just love what you said. It's transactional versus transformational. And what you know, and relating to young people, what they want is real. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm, I, I, I risk uh, upsetting my players and the young people I deal with. I tell them, I'm not going to be easy to deal with. I'm not for everybody, but here's what I'm going to be. No matter what you think of me as a coach, I'm going to be real <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to tell you uh, when you when you're really good, and I'm going to tell you when you're not so good, and when you should be better. Yeah. And I like to tell them all the time, I'm going to put both my feet in the middle of your life. And and when you're not the man, student, or, or player, or trying to be the man, student, or player that you're capable of doing, one of those feet might find your butt from time to time. And uh, and that's just real. I'm just going to tell you what's up. And and young people, at the, at the core of who they are, they want you to be authentic. Yeah. Uh, whatever that is, that's how you relate to them, is through your authenticity. Uh, um, you know, if you are a goober, you're a goober. Uh, if you, if you're with it, then you're with it, but yeah. you have to be who you are. You have to stand in your truth. They want you to tell them, uh, when, who they are, where they stand in your eyes, and then not just tell them what they're good or bad at, but tell them and share with them how they can get to the next step. Yeah. Right. What can I do to be better, Coach? Uh, and, and you know, my thirty plus years of coaching, almost almost exclusively, that's what players want to know. Uh, not you be my buddy or whatever. All that's great if we have that relationship, 
but but will you please tell me the truth and what can I do uh, to be better? Uh, you know, no matter where you see me now, where where can I be tomorrow? And what's the blueprint? What's the plan to get me there? Yeah, no, coach, you're talking about something that I've operated in, uh, especially as of late. In that, when I see players, I see them as a finished product, and not that I treat them as they're already a finished product, but I've got to see where they're headed to help them get there. If I don't see where they're headed to help them get there, then we're going to toil. We're going to waste our time and they're going to maybe despise me for it later. And I just, I wouldn't want that. So I like what you're saying, coach. I mean, it's a, it's a shared vision, if you will, and a shared goal. And there's so much synergy that takes place when you have that, that you can get a lot accomplished. So I appreciate you saying that coach. Now I, I, uh, I put an emphasis on mental health uh, when I ask questions like this because I just I think it's so important because we're talking about young people, especially during this time right now. Who knows what, you know, some of these, you know, they want real, but sometimes they aren't as real with us sometimes and they front. But because that's what young people, sometimes they go through different emotions and feelings and, and it's understandable because we, we, we did it too. So when it comes to mental health, Coach, how important is that for your team and for your staff? Uh, well, the short answer is it's critical uh, because and, and we, I, I'm into people development, right? And I think that you're more effective when you're into people development, the totality yeah. of the person. Uh, a lot of times as coaches, particularly when I first came into coaching in the 80s, uh, it was still an old paradigm that we were operating under and that, you know, okay, make them better. You do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it like I say do it. And, you know, uh, you know, be tough, be mentally tough. And that meant, you know, uh, nothing mattered. And there's no such thing as, you know, uh, uh, depression or any of these different things that, from pressures and anxieties. Oh, you just got to be tougher. And yeah. that whole old way of thinking. Uh, and as we be, the old saying is when you know better, you do better. And so as we learn more, uh, you know, it wasn't just about teaching the kid to work on his left hand or his right hand. That's, that was the answer to every problem. Oh, really? You're, you're, you know, this is going on at home and you're having these anxieties. Oh, go shoot a hundred jump shots. You know, uh, what you, what you learn is that, uh, uh, in the, in the development of the totality of the person on the, on the mental, uh, physical, emotional, spiritual level, yeah. uh, is that you have to make that investment and, and that goes for your players and your staff. Some of the things that we do, and, uh, since I was a head coach at Adam state is we, we bring in mental health professionals to talk to our players at the beginning of every season. Uh, and I tell the players, I don't require you to do anything. What I am going to require you to do is to go over to the mental health facilities here on campus, separate from our staff, uh, and to, uh, you have to set an appointment and I'm going to check to make sure you set an appointment to go over there and visit. Yeah. And then that gives them the opportunity without the staff being there to pressure them to visit with the, the people that are there, uh, so that they know if there's something that happens that they know how to access that information and not have to worry about what coach knows about it or anybody knows about it. Uh, and that's really important to me. Yeah. Uh, and I, there, you know, and with the staff, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, a work-life balance that you have to help them to to uh, to navigate in their lives, and you know, uh, I know that 
I'm not the easiest person to play for because I'm very demanding in my expectations and, and what they need to be as men, as students, and as players. And I know that I'm not easy to, to, that's to play for, and I'm not easy to work for either. And so I want them to have something outside of me to help them to develop. And uh, they can always talk to me, but there are people that are trained in, in, in the mental health field that I have the ultimate respect for. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in trying to help our people and help people to understand, first and foremost, that anything you go through uh, psychologically is no different than what you would go through physiologically in terms of, you know, hey, I, I twist, I hurt my knee and I got an ACL. Okay, I'm having anxiety issues. It doesn't make you any weaker than your inability to play and perform, you know, at your best level with a torn ACL if you've got a broken spirit. Yeah. And so you've got to give them the opportunity and the access uh, to the resources. And most universities have great resources, uh, you know, and we just have to figure out how to avail our athletes to those resources. But as a coach uh, and as a leader of a program, I believe it's not only important, I think it's just as important that they have access to it outside of the purview of the men's basketball team, where we're not just sitting there as a group and somebody's standing up there and kids are staring at the time, like, when is this going to be over? Yeah. But they know they can go on their own uh, without coach ever knowing yeah. uh, what they need to do. Uh, uh, because it, 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 for me, it's like life's a toolbox, right? Yeah, And you want them to be able to open that toolbox when they need to in building their lives to know when to use the wrench or the screwdriver or the different tools they have to use. Uh, but we have to help them to open the toolbox and get the tools in there. And I think that's what the mental health professionals help them to do. So that's really important to me. Coach, that's fantastic. The way you kind of went down kind of your practices and what you do in your program. And I hope that every coach listening uh, looks to – exhaust every avenue to help their players period but also especially i should say in the mental health aspect because there's so much going on and there's so many things that are fighting for their attention and distractions whatever and there's ways that they need to process those things and if they don't have an outlet to process them you're going to be standing there saying i don't know what happened with them i don't know what's going on with them you know, obviously engaging and having the pulse of your team is part of that. But there's some things that they may not want to share with you that they'll share with a complete stranger. And so that's really important. And you talk about a toolbox. Coach, if if we get that in our brains, we're going to really watch our mouths and what we're saying and how we're saying it and, you know, kind of regulating, hey, what am I, what kind of information am I giving to these young people that they're putting in their toolbox, positive or negative, and we want to add nothing but good things. We want to add tools of uh, how to w ways to better their lives, ways to better other people's lives, how to assist others, and uh, just techniques and, and practices that will enrich their lives. So, yeah, uh, great stuff, Coach. So what are, you know, like right now, we're in quarantine where we can't go nowhere, can't do nothing, just watch Disney Plus or Netflix or whatever. Uh, what are the most important things in, in times like this for you, coach? Um, you know, without being cliche, I, I think the reality that hits you, as you know, is family is the most important thing. Yeah. Um, and that's both your immediate extended family and what I would call extended extended family, which for me as a coach are my players and their families. And, uh, uh, 
that's what we all have to connect to. Um, because while we, we have to be separate, we have to stay connected while we're separated. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, using the time, you know, I think sometimes we, as this just human instinct is to go into the woe is me or I'm bored. And that's why I talked to, I have a 13 year old and 11 year old daughter who have just gone stir crazy in here. They're mm-hmm. almost a month now into this quarantine for them. Uh, just, just, you know, there are important things. It's like get on FaceTime, you know, uh, you know, call your players, yeah. uh, call your mother, call, call the people that you love the most. Uh, they, there's a saying, give people flowers while they're here, give people their flowers now, you know, yeah. um, because tomorrow's not promised to any of us. Uh, and it can sound fright, but it's real. It's, it's, it's love. And we have to let people know that. And we have to stay safe, of course, and do what we're supposed to be doing to minimize the spread of this this awful uh, virus. But uh, we can't allow the virus, though it may separate us, we can't allow it to disconnect us. And I think that's really important, not just to uh, your immediate family, though that's most important, uh, but also what I call my my extended extended family life for my players, and I know a lot of coaches are doing it. We're all learning about Zoom and all the different ways we can stay connected. And yeah. I've always been a person, you know. Once I learned because I'm technologically pretty uh, uh, incompetent, <laughs> but when I learned how to use my phone enough to, to, you know, my daughters taught me FaceTime. I like calling recruits and players and just popping up on them FaceTime. And you know, young young men especially, they get they get all weird you know like coach why are you calling me on facetime man it's like you know because i want and i tell him i i think it's really important and i mean it when i tell him because again i go back to coach white uh, whether you show it or you say it or both which is pref- preferable i just call my dudes and i tell them i love you man and awesome. i'm thinking about you and uh i want you to know i'm thinking about you they may not always feel loved when you're when you're on them you know in basketball situations but I think what you do is more important than what you say. And I think we have to stay connected in a time when we're separated. I think that's, you know, especially with your family, your extended family, and then as a coach, your extended, extended family. Yeah, for sure, Coach. A lot of wisdom there because that's, uh, you know, I like what you're talking about, about staying connected even though we're separated. Uh, I had a guest on, Will Martin, who's now the head coach at uh, Missouri Western. He's talking about, you know, it's physical distancing. It's not social distancing. Now we need to get closer socially with technology right. and, and, the, and the like. So, yeah, that's uh, golly. That's one of the benefits of technology. You know, yeah. it's not just something to play games on that phone. The, the, the blessing of that technology is that, it, and it's really ironic, right? Because most of the time the phone is used to, to disconnect us because, you know, you watch on teams, and I hate it as a coach. There's players over there on that phone. This play, that's why we, when we get together, you know, in social situations, we collect phones. It, it disconnects us. But in a time like this, it's teaching us. It's actually a tool to connect us. Now you can utilize it to see people's face and to get a sense of what they're going through and to be able to talk to them, not just hear their voice, but look at them. Uh, and so, you know, Coach Martin is absolutely right. It's like it's it's not uh, social distancing. Yeah. Uh, we, we, it's the socialization process has to be stronger than ever, yeah. uh, because you know you don't want people to feel alone. You don't want to, you don't want anybody that you love, uh, and hopefully everybody in the world has somebody that loves them. Man, is that you don't want them to feel alone that they're by themselves. That's one of the tragedies of what's going on. When I hear these stories of people who are sick, and you take a loved one to a hospital, and they don't let you go in, and in a lot of these cases, man, breaks your heart. The last time you see them. 
Yeah, yeah. And 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 they're they're passing away without loved ones holding their hand and 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 helping them to cross over, man. And so it's this this uh, time we're going through is a tremendous learning opportunity. Uh, hopefully, we're using it to get closer while we're separated, yeah. uh, and to just be so thankful, man, for the blessings that you have in your life, which usually are the people that are there to to sustain you. But it's a it's a tough time in so many ways. One of the most insidious things is the loneliness that's being created as people are are sick and dying, and I just watch it on you know television like most people do, and it just breaks your heart. Coach, you're, you're, you're really hitting, you're striking some nerves there, and that's great because that's, uh, that's an aspect of this whole thing, loneliness, that people don't, um, I don't know, we're, we're, conven- we're inconvenienced to a degree, and that's more of like, oh, I can't wait to do this. I want to get out. I want to. Right. But you do have to kind of consider, like, hey, what about, what about that kid that had to go back home from, his, from your program who didn't have a good home situation in the first place? Right. You know, think about right. that. You have to really right. consider that. Like, right. you know, he, we're his, we're his, we, his team is his family. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not that they doesn't have family that loves him, but there's a lot of things that, that, you know, mitigating factors that make it tougher for some, some kids. One of the things we do, uh, I've done as a head coach and it's really important to us. We spend a weekend, we go away on team retreat and it's a relationship development because in sports, you know, Oh, family on three, you know, it's, it's again, very cliche in sports and yeah. uh, drives me crazy because my family means so much to me. I hate saying it, you know, unless we really invest in what that truly means yeah. and connect and we go away and we, you know, and you spend time trying to work on that connection uh, and building, truly building that brotherhood in a lot of different ways and getting to know each other in ways that you wouldn't normally get to know each other. Yeah. And one of the things that always amazes me and it amazes every athlete I've worked with in these situations. These kids will come away you because you always go over, what did you learn? You know, and somebody from a great family will stand up and say, I, I learned how lucky, how blessed I am. And, you know, to have a father who's present, a mother who's present, a family that, you know, we go on vacation, those things, and, and, and how thankful I am. And no one in here is less than me, but, I, you know, sometimes we're – we're born into to certain things, you know, God gives us challenges that are blessings. If we, if we, you know, think about it yeah. and then you have a kid who'll stand up and he didn't have that family situation, but he's so thankful that he has his team and his brotherhood and yeah. those people that surround him. And like you said, when that's taken away uh, and they have to go away, uh, you know, or even like think about the elementary school kids in some of these urban areas or yeah. some of the rural, deep rural areas, not just urban, but, Appalachia and some of these places where these kids, the only meals they have yeah. are the ones yeah. that provided at schools. And then, wow. but you don't think of that right immediately. It's like, okay, everybody's getting to go home. Everybody should be fine. Well, home is not always fine yeah. for everybody. Home is different for different people. And yeah. um, so it, it can create such a dynamic. Uh, we see the illness and we see the death and that is the most horrible effects of this but there is a loneliness there is a brokenness to this whole thing to this disconnection there are there's other other factors or other uh uh unintended consequences of trying to do the right thing to keep people uh distance to prevent the spread but it can create other problems and so uh it's it's just it's amazing to watch and we have to work super hard to stay connected to those people uh to give them the light that they need to sustain them.
Yeah. And, you know, just checking up on people is just, yes, absolutely. that, that does, uh, it says a lot. I mean, I, this past probably two days ago, I was checking up on a bunch of my coaching friends and just, you know, spent the whole night texting people as many as I could about a hundred coaches and just, you know, saying, Hey man, how's it going? Everything. All right. I hope you're safe and healthy, you know, and stuff like that. And to some people it was like, man, thank you for checking in. Like it means a lot to me. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, some of these people are physically alone. Like they don't have a family there. They're it's them in another town city. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I, I really have to consider a lot of those factors and we as coaches and leaders and teachers and the like, we need to be ready for when we do get that normalcy and come back to, 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 to base and that we got to be ready for some of these things to process out in front of us. And, and, you know, it will be a tremendous transition. Yeah. Uh, sure. you know, people talk about it, you know, uh, how will we economically recover? How will we, but again, you talk about again, there you get, and you go to mental health and all that that encompasses. Uh, there's going to be quite a transition when we to, to integrate everybody back. Uh, you know, um, cause we've never in our lifetime, we've never had this, you know, we've gone through recessions and, you know, uh, many depressions or the great recession and, you've had, you know, death and you've had nine 11, we've had a lot of things and nothing is any, you know, not saying one thing is better or worse, but it's different. Uh, where you have taken, sent everybody to the proverbial corners of their lives away from everybody else. And people have now, you know, sat and some wallowed in their, in their, in the, you know, in the shallowness of, of, of their, of their life. And, uh, you know, depression and, and all of these different things and that we're going to have to be conscious of, as you said, as educators, getting kids back in the classrooms, uh, something that, you know, will be malnourished and, and not, you know, yeah. maybe not starving, but malnourished and, and, and not just in terms of the food they eat, uh, the attention that they, they were able to get. Some of their parents, uh, particularly the poorer they are, the more essential they are, as we can see, Right. And these people now, and so these kids are at home and they're lonely during a quarantine because their parents are having to work on the front lines, uh, in the areas of life that we take for granted, but we now realize how important these people are. Well, there are kids, man, that are at home that are by themselves, man, in a quarantine, not able to go outside, not able to connect even with friends, uh, to stay safe. And so, so many things, so much of a challenge for us as coaches, as principals, as teachers, as educators, but I see it as a tremendous opportunity uh, for us. Uh, but I think we make the job easier uh, uh, if we stay connected during this time by reaching out to people, as you said, and and let them know that they're loved. Uh, you know, I know a lot of teams, not just our team, lots of teams are using Zoom so that players can see each other, yeah. and it's amazing how they react on that, you know, laughing and joking with each other, you know, especially for young men, you know, sometimes it's hard for them to express how much they love some, you know, another guy, you know, like, you know, they don't want to be vulnerable to each other, you know, and and fear that they may be taken advantage of and made fun of. And, uh, but they, you could tell, man, they, they love each other and they miss each other and they miss the connection that they have. So it's, it's all, it's all, these dynamics are all very interesting to, uh, to watch very much so and and i'm glad we're having this conversation about it because it needs to be had in this space that we're in uh so we can be mindful and thoughtful about it uh because that's really what's going to uh 
I don't know. It's going to set a precedent with our players and with even the, our staff. It's like, hey, during this time, I didn't hear from you. So almost like you didn't exist. Uh, right. Do I really matter to you? And that can play that can right. play another role. So good, right. good stuff, coach. So I'm going to get back to you, coach, as far as your career and who you are. Uh, what have you sacrificed or invested to be where you're at today? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, I, you know, I've made great sacrifices, but I think more importantly, I, this game has given way more to me than I've given to it. And so any sacrifice I've made to be where I'm at is minuscule. Uh, and, and, and uh, you know, I always say my worst day is a great day for most people. Yeah. Uh, that being said, you know, anytime you make you achieve anything at any level of, uh, 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 you know, any level of achievement in your life, there are sacrifices you have to make. Even if you know, the most important commodity in life is time. Yeah, is your time, and so you know, sacrifice of time. I think the thing that stands out the most to me, uh, Mike, is you know, I was making at 25 years old, 1992. I was making about $75,000 a year as Coach White's assistant at East Anchorage High School. That's not where I was getting the 75000 I had a job at the NBC affiliate in Anchorage, Alaska, uh, in television and television advertising. And I was, man, I was making money uh, for a young guy with no responsibilities, hand over fist. Uh, I think I mentioned twice, Coach Evans called me from Southern Utah. That was $5,000 a year. <laughs> Uh, wow. to be his assistant coach. But I really, truly believe, not understanding the dynamic of coaching, college coaching, and how it all works, yeah. that I, you know, at 25, I go here, I'll be 26 years old, I'll be the next head coach of Duke or Kentucky or, or Indiana, not understanding that not all Division ones are created equal yeah. and not understanding the process of what it takes to, to move along in coaching. So right off the bat, I sacrificed a tremendous amount of money, moved away from my family, to be in a place I've never been in Utah away from anybody I knew didn't have a car for three years, didn't have a phone for three years. I lived in a $350 apartment that I, that $5,000, they didn't give me rent or anything. I literally truthfully went across the street at four o'clock at Albertson's grocery, across my apartment every day and get the large Italian loaf bread that I could toast and butter, man. It was a dollar. And I, and I thought, okay, this is what the old heads used to mean when they said, I used to walk to school five miles uphill both ways. You know? And so yeah. I could tell that story. And you know what? I'm very proud of that sacrifice. And it wasn't until I got to Adams State University as a head coach 19 years later where I made as much money in, as a coach as I, as I sacrificed as a 25-year-old man leaving my job uh, in Anchorage, Alaska. So – there's a financial sacrifice because we don't all, you know, there's a lot of us who are born on third base in this profession think we hit a triple because of who puts you in the position you're in. Uh, that didn't happen for me, man. There's a saying right now, coach and say, I came from the mud. Well, I ain't come from the mud, but I, I came from very, very humble coaching beginnings and have had to grind in different spots to be where I'm at. And, it, it, you know, clearly it wasn't for the love of money. And then of course, the amount of time, any coach, any educator, who's doing it right, uh, the amount of time that you you have to give of yourself to make other people better, to make the investment that Coach Wright made in me when I was 10 years old, that's a tremendous sacrifice because you also sacrifice, and I have children and I have a wife, uh, and I'm so blessed to have a wife who has always been my number one assistant. 
Um, uh, and she, you know, we, we, we have kids in our home 30, 40 times a year, uh, for different things. Our home is literally our team's home, but you, you make a tremendous sacrifice, uh, to help other, help raise other people's kids. And sometimes, uh, you know, unfortunately to the detriment of your own relationships, you have to be very, very careful. So, uh, though I've made those sacrifices, I'd make them over a hundred times, a hundred million times again. Those sacrifices are nothing like the sacrifices a lot of people make in different areas of their life, but finances and money, money and time are really, really important. I think those are the most critical things I've had to sacrifice to be, uh, be where I'm at. Fantastic coach. Thank you for sharing that because I think sometimes we, we, uh, we, we get a little coy about what we have sacrificed. We, we, we tend to say, well, you know, it's all an investment. It's all an investment. Yeah. And then that's the right thing to say. Yeah. But if you have to look back, you say, man, maybe I didn't, like you said, maybe I didn't come from the mud, but you know, humble beginnings. Uh, every coach out there don't ever, if you're in a humble beginning right now of your career, don't despise it because it'll, it'll teach you. It'll learn you real well. And, oh, you know what the, what they say about the, about the seed, right? I mean, yeah. they, you cover it in dirt, but they, blossoms man and yeah. that, that's absolutely right and and i would also tell young coaches is uh man bask bathe in your in your humble beginnings bathe in that mud that you might be in because you're learning it from the ground up and someday you're going to be so much better because you learn it from that area there are a lot of coaches who it seems like they are more blessed because they you know, get to sit next to a legendary coach having never had to pay their dues in the coaching profession yeah. uh, other than the fact that they were a good enough player that they could sit next to a legend who then anoints them and some AD hires them. Well, the problem is that they don't learn it from the bottom. And, you know, if I'm going to run the company, I want to know what the janitor does. I want to know everything because yeah. if you do, then you have a better chance of being successful of running that company because you understand everybody's value in the company and how those things work. Yeah. Uh, so I would encourage every coach that's going through it, bathe in it, bathe in that challenge. You're learning, take the opportunity to learn it, learn the business from the top, from the bottom to the top. And so when you get to the top, you know what it takes and you'll have a great empathy for the people that are working coming up behind you and how to help pull them up. Not only that coach, I think sustainability because it's one thing to get the job, but then it's another thing to keep the job. Absolutely. And, uh, and we talk about toolboxes for players. We have toolboxes as coaches. We have a bigger toolbox because we deal with so many people in so many situations that if we're not filling our toolbox with not just plays and schemes, which are very important. However, it's more, I think it's a little bit more important on like, you're talking about the relational aspects the you know if you're not treating you know you say you want to know what everybody's doing it's not to micromanage it's to relate it's to relate it's to To inform you yeah to say hey i I know what you're doing or i know what you're supposed to be doing let's get let's get on the ball or man i appreciate you so much i really do appreciate you because i know what it's well you gain a great understanding of what their challenges are what they're what they're going through yeah okay Uh, yeah you want to know it so you can help and you can direct but you know, you, you, there's a relationship that you have to have. And, and in order for you to relate, be relate, you know, to relate to people, it's like, uh, uh, I give you an example, uh, the guys that don't play very much on the team, when they come in my office, you know, and you see in their eyes and their spirit, 
how they feel because they want to, you know, players want to play. They want to impact winning and losing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'm always in a position to talk to them about my senior year in college. I started the first, I believe, three or four or five games of the season. We were undefeated. I had a back injury that made me miss a week of practice, but no games. I was back ready to go, but coach decided to start a different point guard. And it was the, it was the uh, Lou Gehrig, uh, uh, Wally Pip situation. That dude started a point guard. He's way better than me, and the rest is history. Yeah. We go 34 and 2. I, I went from starting to not playing at all. But when that kid sits across from me and he's talking, because I've gone through the experience, I can relate. Not to make an excuse for him, but to help him to understand how he can continue to be valuable in a winning situation. You know, and as a coach, you have to, as an educator, again, this education, right? You're teaching. Yeah. So you, you want to be in as many situations as you can so that you can relate to what people are doing and what they're going through to help them to do what they're doing and what they're going through better. Yeah. Each one teach one, you know. There you that, go. That's uh, very key in, in this whole, you know, as a lifelong learner, as somebody who's, you know, really walking in humility, but also in confidence and strength uh empowering others to be the best they can be assisting others holding you know pulling people from out of the mud at times uh is just super important and you, you just got to have that that mentality so coach i'd ask you because here again you, your career has been pretty lengthy and and you've been in all kinds of places like you said what have you learned about yourself that just really like wow i didn't realize this or that what have you learned about yourself throughout your career uh, that's a great question. Um, and it's a process cause I'm always learning. Yeah. Uh, I think the thing that, uh, uh, that I'm most conscious of about myself is not what I'm good at. Um, but the things that, uh, I, you know, it's pretty consistent. The things that I'm not very good at as a coach, uh, and I'm not afraid to share with my players. I think that's an essential component to leadership is to, to admit that you have faults and to recognize when you've made mistakes and to be willing to communicate that to the people that you ask to walk with you. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, I realize that the weaknesses that I have, I have in the totality of my life. I lack patience and I'm a better father when I'm more patient. I'm a better husband when I'm more patient. I'm a better son when I'm more patient and I'm a better coach and teacher when I'm more patient. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, that's my greatest challenge is, is to, uh, God has blessed me with patience and he has certainly given me a lot of adversity to ex exude that patience. You know, you pray for God, please give me patience. And, uh, you know, it's not like, voila, I'm all of a sudden a patient person. What he does is he gives me an opportunity to express patience in situations, uh, that require it. And I, those challenges and what I've learned about myself through my life, not just as a coach, but as a man, as a father, as a husband, is that I'm better when I'm patient. I'm better uh, uh, not when I'm accepting of something that is below the standard, because uh, I don't think that's patience. I think patience is is idling the motor when you, you want to rev it up, you know, and you mm -hmm. want to go. And you have yeah. to sometimes just take a deep breath and says, you know, it's a process yeah. and you have to slow build sometimes in order to get what you want. So I think I've learned that's probably been the greatest teaching for me. And it transcends coaching. It, it, it really relates to me in my totality and my being. Yeah. Uh, I'm better when I'm patient and I have to do a better job of being patient 
Uh, and there's so many times as a coach, man, as an assistant in recruiting, as a head coach in decision-making, where you, I make that assessment after the fact. I said, had I just been more patient in this situation, uh, had I been more patient with this particular player, uh, you know, and helping him to develop, you know, and understanding the circumstances, uh, I would have done better. And that's probably the thing that's informed me more than anything else in my career and my life. Fantastic, Coach. Patience is a virtue, man. And uh, anytime you're dealing with other people other than yourself, you have to exude it and you have to, it's like a muscle. You have to exercise it, man. You really do because that's uh quickest way to get frustrated, upset, uh, discombobulated. If that's a word I can use. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, it definitely takes you to, I mean, I've got four daughters, man. I mean, <laughs> and, and my girl dad, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Girl, super girl dad. And then my wife, uh, I, I, you need every day, 24 hours, patience. You don't have patience. And then, I'll, you know, it comes back to you, though. So, like, if you're patient with others, when you need them to extend patience towards you, you've got yeah. it. You've got it. You, you, you reap what you sow. Yeah, that goes. I think, I think what happens is that, uh, you know, Mike, that, you know, as, as competitors, right? We're competitors yeah. from a very, very early age, you know, in bitty ball up through youth basketball, all through the sports world. And so it's always on to the next, and you want that next thing. And sometimes you don't bask in what you have. Uh, and so, you know, you're always trying to push. And I know in the coaching profession, I think in all walks of life, you know, you, like you get, you know, okay, what's the next step? Okay, yeah, I got that. So what's the next thing I do? Okay, so and so, as opposed to what you, when you do that, talking about patience, you don't appreciate what you have and what you're doing. and be patient it'll happen and that's a message i'd like to send to all the coaches out there particularly the young coaches is that uh uh uh, you know uh, the grass is always greener where you water it water the grass where you're at take care of it have the patience and and then you will you will if you take the time to nurture and grow you will achieve the things and be where you are supposed to be in the time that you're supposed to be there yeah no it it it's being present, being present in the moment. Being and, present. Yeah. And, and wherever you're at, make it the big time. I've heard that before. And That's right. I, I That's just, right. I and and every, kid, every kid that you coach, every kid you touch, uh, enjoy that experience, man. Um, you know, we are, we are really blessed in education. Uh, and I think, you know, what's going on in the world helps us to see it more clearly. Yeah. Uh, the importance of teaching. I think every parent right now is appreciating teachers way more than they did before this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I can't even do my five, my fifth grade daughters. You know, she asked me questions. I have to play it off. Hey, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Ask your mom. And I'm off. Doing something <laughs> you know, it's like, man, it's just, she's like, daddy, you don't know how to do it. Do you? I said, Hey, no, I, 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 I got to do that. I got a phone call. Pick up the phone. <laughs> yeah, you start appreciating the, the yeah. value you have and so yeah. uh just just we we just all have to slow down a little bit right and yeah. enjoy what yeah. we're doing taking appreciation for who we are and what we bring to the table because every one of us has value and uh, uh we, we we have to grow a greater appreciation for who we are and what we do and what we bring to the table fantastic coach i couldn't have said that any better now coach i i uh finish this the program with the a question about legacy, because I believe that if we begin with the end in mind and we look forward to what we want to accomplish, but what we want others to say about us, we'll take steps and measures 
via patience or via understanding, however that works, to get those sentiments expressed by others. But I would ask you, Coach, consciously, unconsciously, however we get there, what would you want to be said of you whether when it's all said and done? I would want it to be said of me what I say of my 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 coach of Coach White uh, that uh, it was transformational uh, in my life. Uh, I'd want them to say that he 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 loved and he was loved uh, because to me, if if uh, if you love genuinely love people, they know it and they also reciprocate and. Bottom line for me, the greatest legacy would be that transfer to me. I believe transformation comes through love. Yeah. Uh, when you love what you do, it shows. When you are present, you love people in their life where they're at. That shows, and people reciprocate that. And I would want my life to be my life legacy to be that uh, to be about transforming through love to showing care and concern and being present for people and young people in particular, but, but all people to, 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 to try to change and help change their life through that. And, and, and love to me is a, is a verb, man. It's, it's, it's not what you say, it's what you do. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you know, for my relationship as a coach, uh, you know, sometimes my players, if they only go by what I say, they may not think I love them, you know, yeah. uh, all the time. But, you know, they, you know, I, I, one of the greatest blessings in my life, we talked about Stan Johnson, you and I, who I recruited to Southern Utah University. And I count him as, as certainly one of the handful of my best friends in life. I consider one of my greatest blessings as a coach is that if I wrote down my 10, 15 closest friends in my life, most of them are players that I coached. And that the relationship, just like my relationship with Coach White, uh, it's transformative. It went. It, it transcended just a player coach, and it's grown into a relationship uh, of love and and lifelong commitment to each other. So, it, I would want my legacy to be about that, about love. Coach Wilson, I thank you for your time. I really do. I appreciate it. It's been awesome. Uh, it's been really. Uh, I love you sharing your heart and your perspective with us. So here again, man, I do appreciate your time, and thank you for being on the show. Mike, thank you so much uh, for, for giving me the opportunity to share with, uh, share with your listeners. Thank you so much, Coach.